Welcome back to the BK Petcast. I'm Bryce. I'm Kinsey. I'm Ruby. And this is the only podcast you'll need to be the best pet parent possible. And as you just heard, we're joined by Ruby today. She's one of the co-founders and COO mm-hmm. of Real Dog Box here in San Diego. So welcome, Ruby. We really appreciate being on the podcast and, and having us out to San Diego. Absolutely. Yes. So, so excited to have you guys here. So um, just for our community, I'm, I mean, I'm sure we post about them all the time, so I'm sure a lot of you know. But for the members that don't know who you are and what Real Dog Box is, just give them a brief overview. Sure, sure. Mind. So Real Dog Box, we make a monthly box of fresh treats and chews. They're all air-dried, made right here in our San Diego kitchen, which fortunately you guys have had the opportunity. Right over there, Yeah. on the other side of the walls here. (laughs) (laughs) So we make everything in-house, and our goal is to make healthy food, real food, accessible and affordable to the masses. So variety every month. You get it shipped directly to you. You can customize it for your dog's preferences and needs. And cheaper than Walmart treats, we've learned. I mean, they're... Their box. So tell me what is all in your main $37 box. So we built all of our boxes to complement any diet and every budget if we can. Because a lot of people are a little bit scared of switching to real food. But the main box comes with muscle meats, organ meats, seafood, and then three chews. Light, heavy, and medium. So you're getting... Okay, repeat that one more time for me. How many muscle meats? Uh, One bag of muscle meat. One muscle meat, three chews. Three bags of chews. And the... A bag of organs. And then the seafood. And then the seafood. For $37. I mean, you go to Walmart and you're buying, like, you know, the classics one, classic ones I always see at Walmart are, like, nudges. And it's one bag about this big and it's $15. Yeah. That's almost half the price of your box right there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, since we're direct to consumer, we have an opportunity to cut out the middle person, mm-hmm. if you will. Uh, and that allows us to keep our food really reasonably priced. And it's not my goal to make millions off of one box. My goal is to serve the masses. And Absolutely. if I can get real food in the hands of as many dog owners as possible, then I've done what I came out to do. Absolutely. So um, you've you've told us a little bit about this, but tell our audience kind of how you got started in this. What what inspired you to do this? I know you talked about your you had a Doberman we years did. years back. Yep, yep. It was actually my partner Turk's family dog. He had a Doberman who'd gotten cancer once when he was nine years old, testicular cancer. Oh wow. Uh, they removed his testicles. Seemed like everything was okay, and then at twelve. He had heart disease, so DCM, which a lot of people know about these days for lack of taurine. Uh, And the vet told us that um, it was likely mast cell cancer, a tumor that turned into cancer cells, and that um, he probably only had six months left to live. Wow. And, you know, that dog, Atum, he grew up eating a mix of kibble and table scraps, you know, we all try to do our best and we're like, if we just give a little bit of this and a little bit of that, you know, we're doing it right. Mm-hmm. But um, when we heard that diagnosis, we started to learn about raw food and that whole world of feeding dogs real food. I don't know how we just missed it, but for some reason or another, because kibble hasn't been around that long. Right. Mm-hmm. It just we just missed this period of history where like that's what we were doing for so long and yeah. dogs didn't have all these issues. So long story short, we switched him to a raw diet, and I am not exaggerating when I say it happened overnight. And I didn't grow up with a dog, so I didn't know really what to expect. But I saw this dog go from, like, this grumpy old man who was just, like, didn't – not just 
it looked like it hurt to move, but he just didn't have the what. Like, he was just, like, done. It's not just very motivated. Easier. Yeah. Just lay there totally. instead. And we switched his food, and within 24 hours, he was up. He was like, what is this? New food? Like, he just had this, this reason to live again. I was telling Kenzie that I was holding this chicken leg, and he literally chased me around <laughs> the driveway to get this chicken leg. And Turk's mom walked in, and she was just in tears because she hadn't seen him with that energy, with that life. She hadn't seen him run for months. Wow. Oh, my gosh. So that was so eye-opening for us. At that time, we both worked full-time, and we were looking for this service where – because raw feeding can be overwhelming, and it's a lot when you're first learning because it's, it's such – It absolutely it's is. It's such a shift from taking a scoop and pouring it mm -hmm. you know it's it's not open the that. bin scoop and done right literally right there's like all these other components and you're like am i missing something we felt like we were doing it right but it was taking us a long time couldn't find a service so we were like let's just do it mm -hmm. people need it and, and, we, and you had the meal prep business at the time we'll still do but that was that was kind of the big push then yeah right? well it already we already had a structure set up for serving customers mm -hmm. so we knew that all we had to do was provide a different product for the same service. Get your food delivered. Easy, convenient, affordable. And you don't you just don't have to think about it. Yeah. And so we set out to do that. Uh, we quit our jobs. We got in the car, started moving west, got to San Diego, and we had about a three and a half month runway. If you guys have are into startups, you know that basically that means you grow or you die, you got know, it. like that's it. You gotta make it happen. And we started portioning out our foods, we costed it out, and we had to set our smallest raw food delivery for like $120 for a dog as small as a Yorkie. Oh. And I'm like, nobody even knows who we are. No one's right. gonna buy this. Sure. You're and in no way established like you are now. No, not at all. And the raw feeding community was just still so small. So there was, it's not only, hey, this is this new product, it's the extra step of convincing people why they should even switch their dog to a raw diet. Basically, we realized we had to pivot. We had to do something differently. So we took the raw ingredients of our products and we started drying them. And that's how we came up with the concept of the treat and chew box. So everything in that big treat and chew box is the components of our raw meals. Got it. And so what was the first drying process? Did you guys buy a dehydrator? Or like, because you don't have the 10 full-blown dryers that you have now. <laughs> no, no. We didn't even use a dehydrator, believe it or not. Um, but Turk said in Turkey, we used to sun dry our meats and vegetables. And he described the process of literally doing that, hanging meats outside, letting it dry in the sun. And he's like, you need these elements. You need a heating element and you need air circulation. So we can replicate this in a room. And here I am like, never built anything in my life, right? <laughs> You're like, like, uh, okay, all right. <laughs> so this story I'm telling you, this has happened like over and over That's and over. That's so funny. Uh, so we actually had a small closet that we built our first dryer in. And we, we did just that. We had a small heating element. We tried to figure out the air circulation through like box fans. It oh, was man. it was so bootleg. In the trenches yes. with this stuff. Yes, uh, and I just remember we, we cut our first pieces of meat. We had one cart and six grates, like those carts, and we had six, and we we're just like, okay, let's do we're, it. We're gonna cut to the shot of how many grates they have right now and all the carts that will fit in one single room <laughs> yes. so you can see what she's talking about. It's unreal. And then we just sat there 
and we waited. And we lived in our first facility. So it was Turk, me, and Icon. And, and is this in San Diego? Uh, yes. After you guys had gone over here? In Escondido, which is about 20 miles north of where we Got are it. now. Wow. And so how long until you got a product out where you were like, wow, this is this is good? Well, like I said, we had a three-month runway. And a few things had happened within that three months, right? We, already, we had to change our product. Mm-hmm. Um, we initially hired a software developer to build our website and gave them almost a quarter of the money that we had even left for the business to start out. And he didn't deliver on time. Mm-hmm. And so this, you know, give Turk another problem to solve. <coughs> Turk, how are we going to get our product out? He's like, well, just build it. This is his answer for everything. <laughs> so he built our first website. And he just said, we're going to put it out there. And so he's got a little bit of a computer science background and business entrepreneurial mindset. So he put it out. I remember it was December of 2015. And we shared it with friends and family. And we started our first Instagram account. We posted it. And we got our very first order from a woman named Amber in Pennsylvania. Oh. And I have a, I'm half Filipino, half Indian. So I have a lot of family and friends. And if you go down our roster, you know their last names. You're like, that's Ruby's cousin. They're mm-hmm. all Ruby's cousin. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't have a cousin named Amber. This yeah. is not my cousin. The first non-family yeah. or friend order. Yeah. We know that feeling. And I was so excited. You know, I was in the message her. I'm like, oh, you're our first customer. How'd you hear about us? She was not as excited as I wanted her to be. She was like, uh, Instagram, I think. And I, we had one post. Wow. Yeah. And that was it. And we kept sharing. We kept sharing. You know, we shared everything we were learning our entire journey, much like what you guys are doing. And just you learn, you share, and you realize sometimes you make mistakes. And you're like, OK, I told you this, but I was wrong. And I was doing a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know, one person shared their first box and then another person shared it. And then the next thing you knew, we were three months in and we had broke even, wow. which is unheard of yeah. for a startup. Yeah. And, you know, my biggest celebration was I didn't have to go home and tell my dad that I failed at starting a dog food business. Yes. <laughs> so when yes. Amber made that first order, was it still the subscription box like it is today similar or was it just bags of treats? It was. So we only had one box. Got it. The treat and chew box. That was our flagship box. That was the only product we had. So she received her first box and we had that for the first six months, six to nine months. Then we realized, you know, there are smaller dogs, they have different needs. Some people were already feeding a raw diet and they had bone in their meal. So they didn't want bone in chews. Mm. Okay, got it. We have to add a restriction for bone. And they're like, actually, I'm just training dogs and I want to use them, your treats for training. Mm-hmm. So can I get treats only? So we ended up splitting into the smaller boxes and then we had four products. Got it. And if this is like, what's the time? Like, was this five, six, seven years ago? This seven like, years ago. Seven years ago. Yeah. Wow. In fact, yesterday I shared that photo with you was the day Turk and I left DC. Wow. Our seven year anniversary from leaving. That's so crazy to think about. Mm-hmm. And then to walk out there and you see like you got around 10, 15 people here yeah. today. Yeah. Wow. No, I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful. We're so fortunate. It's it's nothing short of amazing at all. And so one thing that really stuck with me that Aaron, who is, what's Aaron's title? He's an operations team lead. Operations team lead. He mentioned that 
real dog box. It, they sell treats. You, you sell treats and chews, but you're more of a supplement company. Can you can you speak on that? Like using Whole Foods for supplements and stuff. Sure. What well, the way I see it is, we're like a stepping stone to a fresh food diet. Initially, when we started, our goal was to help raw feeders source their food, mm. and we realized that once we sort of surpass the at that time, small 4% of raw feeders. We had this whole other world of non-raw feeders or kibble feeders mm -hmm. who wanted to do better but just didn't know how. Yeah. So I like to use our box as a stepping stone to uh, more variety in your bowl, more real food. And so not so much supplements, but more so how can we complement what we're feeding? How can we just make it a little bit better? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because it's not accessible. No. It's not easy. Like. Like you said, you wanted to build that box to help people find their ingredients. When we were living in Laramie, Wyoming, we were driving to Fort Collins and we would spend the entire day trying to go to market, to market, to market. And like, and Fort Collins is not a small town. It's 100,000 no, no, people. No. There's Whole Foods, Trader Joe's, all your big stores. Well, mm -hmm. And I'm sure that there was like a Mexican market. And I know for a fact there was an Asian market, but like... They like we talked about yesterday, like that's overwhelming. Like yeah. we're from Wyoming. I'm from a town of almost 10,000 people. There aren't like my Vietnamese neighbors would drive 10 hours to Denver to stock up multiple times a year because there's just nothing mm -hmm. in that area. And, and like, talk about you not being able to find anything, especially with gas prices these days. Who can afford to go down to right. uh, drive an hour or more to go get food every week, every month, whatever it may be? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You just can't do it. And I grew up in... Going to Asian stores like that, even, you know, I lived some a part of my life in California, Pennsylvania, New York, and even in Northern Virginia and D.C., like, they're pretty prevalent if you know where to look. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you, both of you, I suggested going to 99 Ranch a couple times when you first got here. Mm -hmm. Was there any sort of hesitation, like, not going to a place like that or even just walking in together? Um, I think it's, it's not so much a hesitation of like actually going there, but what going there means. It's like when we go there, if we're, if we're searching for raw food or treats and stuff, that's at the, that's the point where it gets overwhelming mm -hmm. for us. And it's like, what do I buy? I have so many different options. Do I buy beef, pork, chicken, lamb, whatever that may be. Just and, yeah, like essentially by ourselves. Like we yeah. wanted to go and we were like, oh, that would be a great like place to go check out. But what are we looking for? What, even, what do we and buy? And what is about it? Right. Like, I think that's especially, and that's that's what's hard is the most accessible way to do this is to do it DIY, where you're going to the grocery store and buying the stuff. But then, like I even look at your feeding calendar or calculator that you have, and I'm like, I there's there's so much information that goes into that that spits out the recipe, and no one knows how to do that. No one knows, and like. That's a great segue to talking about your feeding calculator. Yeah. Because even even we don't know a lot about about it. We are going to use it for our one dog Banksy here really soon, but give us a synopsis of how to start with it. Well, I'll I'll give you a little bit of backstory. We started posting Icon's meals along with our treats and chews, and we got so many questions about I want to feed my dog that. And what were you feeding at the time? We were, it's the same thing we're feeding now. Just ancestral? Yeah, ancestral. What we call now ancestral, what I called then, like, Icon's diet. Raw food, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it didn't, it seemed like it had all the things, but muscle, organ, seafood, uh, calcium, and some sort of, sort of fiber. Mm -hmm. He has always eaten whole prey since we adopted him at four months old, which means he's always had fiber in his diet. And 
this is totally going on a tangent, but a lot of people will ask, can Icon or does Icon like to eat fruits and veggies? And I say, no, he doesn't. Like, mm -hmm. he just won't touch it. So what do you feed instead? I feed him fur. And that's the fiber totally. that he gets from it. Uh, anyway, so we were posting those meals and people started messaging in and then they'd say, I, I want to start feeding raw. I don't know how to do it. I see all this information on the internet. It is not as easy as you make it seem. Mm -hmm. So I was just doing individual consultations and just helping people. Like, okay. I mean, we were so small. I knew every person's dog name for like our first 500 customers. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. I could see their post and I'd be like, oh, that's Cooper. You know, like they, I just knew all of them. Uh, so I started doing those consultations, and I can do the math in my head because I've been doing it for so long. And I just realized, like, for the average person, it's just not that easy. We I've realized that so much, too. Even I, I don't have a ton of knowledge into, like, the specific things with this, but even knowing, like, what ingredients to look out for that are harmful for your dog, it's like – Oh, I know all of this, but then I get so many comments that are like, "Hey, I don't, I have no idea which ingredients," and I'm like, "It's no, normal people don't know this. Normal people that aren't psycho pet parents with their own business, you know, <laughs> looking into all this stuff." But that's one thing I've noticed is we have this information in our brain that we think is common knowledge, and it's totally not. It's not. Yeah, it's not. Um, so we were, I was making, helping people switch and, and do a raw diet and we started doing our own consultations with our team. You guys met Nicole, she leads the member service team and our consultations. And we started off doing those same calculations, but then we had to factor in the sourcing because here I am adding rabbit feet and you know um wild caught anchovies and maybe that's not something you guys can get right mm -hmm. so we had to factor that sourcing challenge in and we did that by pulling out all of the common meat cuts that you might have access to and combining that with the feeding calculator so it's not just how much do i need to feed it's like here are the ingredients i have access to as my starting point I can start with this, mm -hmm. and now we tell you, okay, here's what you add into film. It's almost like you can literally go into the calculator and say, here's my situation, and and out spits a recipe yeah. that literally is like you can go to the grocery store and find most of that stuff, even at not the ones that aren't Asian markets and stuff. Yeah, like, absolutely. You have access only to chicken breast and chicken feet and not mm -hmm. chicken necks or heads or anything. You can do that on the calculator. I just realized I left those chicken heads somewhere. <laughs> And I don't know where. They're in a towel. There are rogue chicken heads in a towel somewhere. <laughs> like the rogue backstrap in the in the pen holder. I promise I'm not chewing on it. I thought it was just Ruby's just gnawing it all day. <laughs> That's so great. So um, beyond the calculator, let's kind of get back to what you're actually doing here. That are, that's I just your physical. really quickly oh, want yeah, to please. interrupt. This calculator is free. Like, wow, I didn't even this mention is that. It is free. a huge resource. Like, that's Can we get a link to the calculator? Yes. What's the link? Feedreel.com forward slash calculator. There you go. We'll put it on the screen right here for you. Great, great point. Um, talk to us about your air drying process because it's it's different than what anyone else is doing. You you designed it yourself. Why did you do that? Why, why did you feel a need to create your own? You know, if I could convince everybody to feed fresh food, raw food, I would. Not everybody's going to do it for multiple reasons kind of icky it's not convenient mm -hmm. uh and there's no shelf life you know not like uh something that's dried yeah you need more equipment freezer yep. or drying or all something. of that yeah so we're like what's the next best option 
And drying the food, air drying, sun drying is the oldest method of preservation that we know of. I mean, cavemen did it. And we wanted to replicate that process without using any actual preservatives. Right. So you got to dry the food. Um, <coughs> we looked into freeze drying, but the equipment and the energy that you need to freeze dry something, just it's, it was out of reach mm -hmm. for us. Um, and we wanted to preserve as much nutrients as possible in all of the food. So air drying was our next best option. And what we learned was you don't change the cellular structure of a protein as long as you're not heating it over 135 degrees Fahrenheit. Got it. Uh, so and so said, what does changing the structure do to the do to the product? Well, there's Why do you lots want to of avoid nutrients. That? There you go. Uh, there's also, when you change the structure, you're changing uh, the way that the body digests it and oh, absorbs. Okay. So it's the bioavailability of the food. Sure. Generally, anything in its freshest form is going to be more bioavailable. It's going to be easier for us to absorb the nutrients and digest it. Once it's processed, weird things start to happen. Your body doesn't have the enzymes to break down the food and properly absorb any perceived nutrients. And that what happens is when you lose those nutrients, then your manufacturer ends up adding in something synthetic to make up for it. Spraying it on top. Yeah, so why add it in when you can figure out a method that doesn't take it out in the first place? Right. That's way cool. So what's the difference between air drying, dehydrating, and cooking? You know, if somebody were, if somebody had all the equipment at home, what do they do to avoid that nutrient loss? Obviously keep it under 135 for exactly. the most part. Yeah, and there's some pros and cons to all of these, but temperature is your main focus here. Air drying typically is 130 degrees and lower. Dehydrating, you're usually at 140 to 190. Mm -hmm. And then cooking is really anything above that. Got it. Then you've got roasting, and yeah. then you've got high heat extrusion, which is just. So, so when you go to Walmart and you see those big, <laughs> thick, look smoked-looking bones, those are pretty much cooked, like roasted, yeah. right? Yeah, they're roasted. They might be smoked. Um, there, there are a few other things we can talk about later. But when you're going into big box stores like that, there's a requirement to have a kill step to be over oh, 165 right. degrees just like you there's that warning on the grocery store meat that you get must be cooked over 165 to yep. rid of any pathogenic bacteria for one that's not something we're worried about when i was saying that there are some pros and cons that we should talk about air drying that means that we are keeping the food as close to its raw state or natural state as possible but we are losing a little bit of nutrients there just from uh, sure. oxidation just yeah. sitting out anything that you open up but that's like that's something that you were just talking about a, a sacrifice you're willing to make to be able to provide all of this to people and I'm mm -hmm. sure that allows you to I mean that's what allows you to to charge $37 a box and, yeah. like, and and ship it for the prices that you do is you figure out a way to ship it cheap and keep as many nutrients as possible that's the goal that's the goal but you know some things that come with that is it takes longer then you're dehydrating or cooking process. The higher the heat, the lower the dry process. Mm -hmm. um, and it is a little bit more pungent, the odor, naturally. That's a great time to talk about what you do about odor here, because it's <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, well, we figured out a way to, um, to keep our odor manageable using a light system that we came up with. And that is something that is all in Turk's little brain. <laughs> that um, 
Uh, basically, within our drying rooms, we built it so that we could contain things as well as kill any potential bacteria that you might get. But on the topic of bacteria, a lot of people are concerned about raw food mm -hmm. and salmonella, salmonella and E. coli. That's a whole topic. And my answer to that is always dogs have reoccurring bacteria in their digestive tract. Mm -hmm. Well, and like, what do you think wolves did when they took down a huge prey and had right. it for multiple days? Like, 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 do you think the bacteria was just like, oh, the wolves are going to eat this. We need to stay <laughs> yeah. away. Like, and, yeah. and, this and is they for them. sometimes, you know, they definitely live in colder climates, but there's got to be times where wolves kill I mean, animals above 30, yeah, above 32 degrees where of it's course. not freezing. Yeah, or other scavengers. I mean, coyotes, the wild dogs, they're out there eating the leftovers so that you know, how, how long has that been sitting out mm -hmm. there? Right. But, you know, one misconception is salmonella isn't in every single piece of raw meat. That has to do with the health of the animal and how it's raised. Whoa. Yeah, talk more about, about that because yeah. this is new information to me. So. <laughs> of course. So, you know, there's obviously factory farming that's looked down upon because these animals are in close quarters. So if one animal gets sick, that's easily spread. Sure. What you guys heard uh the team talking about yesterday the avian flu mm -hmm. i don't know the exact number of chickens that they slaughtered that they thought were sick but it, it had to be in the millions and that's wow. what's affecting the and that's just right that's now. just right in the garbage right it's all waste yeah, there it's gone i mean who knows maybe there's a rendering company that's picking it up and it's going in some other food that we don't know about Ooh. <laughs> yeah i uh i wouldn't be surprised yeah. to be honest but okay so th so that is why pasture raised free range you hear all of these um for lack of a better word marketing terms but it is, has to do with how the animals are raised and kept for human consumption mm -hmm. when they're in the they are in close quarters they're more likely to get sick just like us we're not getting any fresh air or fresh food so the diet the environment all of that plays a part and by the time the animal is slaughtered, you know, it goes through all these phases in the agricultural process and it reaches us. That doesn't mean that they all have salmonella. Right. There could be a subset. And it is important to have a kill step in that regard. But it doesn't mean that all the animals are contaminated. Got it. Yeah. Makes total sense. I was just going to ask. Oh, so when somebody goes to the grocery store and they're, they see all these marketing and buzzwords and stuff, free range, pasture raised, what are they looking for? Like, let's use eggs, for example. You have your regular grocery store eggs that are, you know, factory farmed. You have pasture raised. What's, what's the best? I go for pasture raised. Uh, in fact, you saw our farmer's market this week while you were down here. Mm -hmm. Most people that I know buy their eggs from the farmer's market, not just because of the quality, but to support our local ranchers and farmers. Sure. Yeah, so if you can do that, that would be my recommendation. You know where it's coming from. You're supporting your neighbor. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, we don't need to go to Costco and get like three dozen eggs, right? right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Totally. We just have to make adjustments to our to our buying habits. But I like pasture raised because you know that these animals have space. They have open range to sort of frolic around. And if you are getting it from your neighbor, you know exactly what they've been eating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. And Kenzie ever, and I, go oh, ahead. Have you ever heard of Michael Pollan? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I first got into him when I was learning about like, he's saying things like, why, this is a little tangent, but like, why do kids menus have chicken tenders and French fries? Like that's, they're growing. That's the most important time to get the best nutrients in their mm -hmm. bodies. And like talking about how thousands and thousands of years ago, the person that raised the meat 
the or the animal who slaughtered it who prepared it was all the same person and it was like a priest or like a very high up spiritual leader because it was such like a like intimate and sacrificial thing like thanking that animal for its life and Mm -hmm. things like that like and the stress hormones that come Mm -hmm. from like those don't just go away and those animals that are packed in tight like those go straight into us as well so like that's not good to go into our pets either and we're big believers in in energy and like what you put out and what you consume in and like if you think about those factory raised animals that have all of this stress and tension and like close quarters that's energy going into them that you will feel the effects of it and you probably won't feel it until you see the difference if right. you're trying the one to the f- factory farm raised or whatever and then you go to the fresh you're like oh my god yeah and sometimes we don't even see it but you shared with me that you did that elimination mm-hmm. sort of diet mm-hmm. i've done something similar we feel it we know that what we put into our body is how we feel yeah. immediately yeah. too and Absolutely. we unfortunately don't always make the best choices, nope. even after knowing that. But we can yes. do that for our dogs. Exactly. Yes. I mean, they rely on us 100%. And they have the benefit of liking most foods. I mean, there's definitely picky dogs and stuff. But, like, I don't know. I feel like it's a lot easier for dogs to eat than for me to think about what I'm going to eat later in the day. Right. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Or someone would just come to me and be like, here's your meal. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> okay. So... Because all of this is very overwhelming and, you know, outside of your products, how would you suggest somebody who's brand new? They've they've never met you. They've never made us. They're watching this podcast for the first time. How do they start? Well, first, you should sign up for a consultation with us. I was going to (laughs) say, other than getting an initial box. Yeah, right? (laughs) Yeah. We have a new gold membership program for just $17 a month that gives you access to one of our certified nutritionists. Everyone on our team, anyone you interact with on our team is a certified canine nutritionist. Wow. And we did that specifically because we knew that people had no one to ask except for their vet for nutrition advice. And that's, I mean, you go into a vet, you're paying at least $50 for a regular checkup. And some of them don't even know what they're no, talking about. No. <laughs> and even more if you want nutrition, if you want a diet plan, anything like that. Yeah. Uh, so start with us, $17 a month. We can help put your meal plan together. We can help you use our calculator, or you can just go to the website and do it yourself. Mm-hmm. And all of that is free. Mm-hmm. Feedreal.com is a great place for us to start. It's separate from what we're doing at Real Dog Box because we've got our actual food products, but it, is, it was our way of sharing all of the knowledge that we'd put together over the last seven years. And I think that's what a lot of people may not know is you don't just sell treats and shoes. Matter of fact, that's a portion of what you're doing. I mean, they're offering the feeding calculator, but if you sign up for that $17 membership, you get a nutrition consultation once a month, mm-hmm. right? Once a and month. that is once a month where you can ask somebody certified in this, hey, am I doing this right? Hey, I have this problem. What can I do differently? And not just somebody, a person that has got the nutrition, yes. who has spends the time, like we were sitting here talking to Nicole and she was like, I have said, like, I'm not going to tell anybody the same exact thing. I was because just going to bring this up. But like, she's not afraid to say like i need a few hours to like really do some research on this and deep dive she's not just gonna pretend like she knows or she's not just gonna go off of just what she knows like Mm -hmm. and so you're not even telling the whole story when you say they only get this once a month you get this once a month but if you have an issue nicole's researching this for you after your meeting and following up yeah and and following up to make sure that what you're doing works and it's working for your dog Mm -hmm. 
It's incredible. And not only that, you know, let's take it full circle. Once we learn it, Nicole goes and writes an article about it. So it's public information. Yeah, so it's public now. And it's like, if you've had this problem, this might help. Mm -hmm. And that's, we need more people like you that are not in this to make a million dollars. Like you said, you're in this to improve pets' lives. And you'll be the first one to admit, you're like, go to your grocery store. You don't have to buy our products. Mm -hmm. You just want dogs' lives to be improved. Yeah. It's amazing. So let's get into chews specifically. I want your I want your take on kind of the popularity of greenies and whimsies and all these starchy chews and, and I why. I want to talk about the different colors, the colors in <laughs> store rawhide versus Oh, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just like the your... difference between these store-bought treats and yours. All right. Where do we start? You know, let's talk, let's talk about colors. Dogs don't care what color the food is. No. I can't even see all the colors. So I feel like we all know that's just baloney. People are just trying to trick us. And even what did we see yesterday? Cheeseburger shaped things. They yes. don't care. Cheeseburger no. flavor. Shape what even is that? Flavor. Yeah. No, they don't care. So, so much of what we see is to appease the human buying the treats, even down to the color of the bag, not just of the treat itself. Marketing is stupid. Yes. Like marketing Can you grab is me that bag of treats right there. <laughs> yes. And so with yours, all you're trying to do is pretty much as minimal labeling as possible and just show the treats. Yeah. You can see right here. What do we have in here? So we've got our beef backstrap, our pheasant necks, and boar ears. And it's a completely clear bag, all single ingredients. And it's not only filled to here. Yeah, that's what Turk mentioned. He goes, I open up a bag of potato chips and it's half full and I'm pissed. Yeah. I get it. Exactly. Now, I think I told you yesterday, my my mom, when we were first starting out, she's like, do you have to call it chicken feet? Yes. Can you call it fancy paws? And I'm like, no. That's the marketing. Yes. I'm like, this is the whole point. We need to tell people exactly what's in the bag. And Mm -hmm. this... When, when I, I think I, I told you, Icon is really my first dog as an adult. And I didn't grow up buying dog food in the grocery store, but I remember shopping for it and seeing it in the same aisle as the laundry detergent mm-hmm. and other like cleaning supplies. And I'm like, that's just weird. Like yeah. it's literally always in the same aisle. It's mm-hmm. like if you were to put your groceries down under your sink where like your cleaning supplies are. Exactly, so, yeah. Weird. <laughs> and so the turning point for me was okay, well, what am I going to feed? And I saw these beautiful bags with chicken breasts, like grilled chicken breasts on the front, or like the filet mignon medallion. Yeah. So that one looks good. Yeah, that one totally. looks really good. Yeah. You pick up the bag, you turn it over, and you're like, where's the filet mignon? Where, Where's the chicken breast? I yeah. see chicken byproduct, meals. What does that mean? And yes. none of it made sense. No. And I uh, spent a little time in the legal field, I could not believe that that was legal. I could not believe that it was allowed in those just deceptive marketing Not only legal, but like they claim that's regulated. Right. The FDA is like, yep, that's regulated. We regulate this stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have all of our labels overseen by the Department of Health in California, Mm -hmm. and they follow AFCO, which follows FDA. And we have the same exact same laws that we have to follow. But I'm like, I'm not doing that. I'm going to tell you exactly what is in the bag. So you don't have to, you know, some people are like trachea. I've never even heard of that. And they're like, wait a second. I took eighth grade biology. Yeah. I do know what that is. Yeah. Yes. Kind of, sort of. Uh-huh. It's a real did the, body did part. Did the dissection and learned about all the body parts. Yeah. <laughs> so we wanted to just 
tell you exactly what was in the bag. That's really where we started. Nothing fancy, no colors, no, no artificial. Yeah. yeah, like this is just what it is. It's just real food. And that's, that's one thing that I notice is literally you walk in here and it's not like there's some far off factory where all, where all of this is being done. You walk outside the studio, you can see them slicing the cuts of meat, putting them on the dryers, package it, packaging them into the bags. They're transparent about everything. And I think, you know, that your bag alone speaks to that, but it, it bleeds into the whole business. Thank like you. This. Thank you. You know, and then something else that we really try to do is show the behind the scenes. Yeah. Like go absolutely. out there. Because Purina is not going to, they're not going to, like, Ruby invited us out here to just kind of spend time with them and, and see what they do, but Purina is not going to do that. They're not going to show us how they're making their food. Mm-hmm. I mean, why would they? No, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So um, what's your take on the VOHC? Because this has been a very hot topic. We tell people, I mean, this is us being blunt, but I think the VOHC is an absolute joke of an organization. What What's your take on it? Why do you think that they're promoting treats and putting their label on treats that we know are not doing things for dogs? Because you can pay anyone for a certification. That is the short and simple answer. Got I it. could get VOHC to certify our product. I looked at it. Yeah. I was like, this would be a really, really fun thing to do. Because all it is is that it scrapes an X amount of plaque and tartar off of mm-hmm. your teeth, which if you give a dog an old boot, it's going to do some sort of scraping, you right. know, but it matters what they're chewing on. And, you know, the only reason I didn't, and the their requirements may have changed since the last time I looked at it, was that you had to put a dog under anesthesia to make sure that whatever existing plaque or issue that was there was removed after X number of weeks using this particular treat or chew. Got it. Have you seen this boy's teeth? He is seven. You can't see any kind of plaque or build up on his teeth. Yeah. Like, how would I even... I'm like, there's nothing there to begin with. Right, mm-hmm. you'd have to have a totally random dog. Yes, and who am I going to convince to feed <laughs> greenies yeah. for X number of weeks, right? Just yes. to say, oh, it worked or it didn't. So, yeah. but yeah, uh, it isn't terribly difficult. And I think that people are realizing that even... I hate to say it, but, you know, organic food certifications and all the other sort of new things that we're seeing out there to becoming a a certified B Corp. Like if you have the money and the means, Mm -hmm. you can get anything certified. And and to add on to to give my two cents on that, I recently learned that the VOHC has no requirements for their board of directors who's who decides what is VOHC approved. They don't have any requirements that they can't have previous affiliations with big companies. Purina Royal Canaan, Mars, literally, exactly, exactly. (laughs) Literally, doesn't matter what affiliation (laughs) you have. So that's that's the issue with the the FDA is like you have an organization that is regulating products while taking funding from the same companies that they're trying to regulate, and you just can't have an unbiased yeah organization like that. Even like all like it's not even all people that have to do with pets or 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 it's not like Like it's it's all vet dentists. It's it doesn't. Right, right. And, you know, that's that's not limited to the pet food industry. We totally. see it across the board. Pharmaceuticals alone is just that. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, I want to talk to you about micromanaging your dog's nutrients. This is something that our audience has been asking us a lot about. And outside of us saying you don't have to micromanage your nutrients, we don't have much insight as to why. So, like with Icon, I know you feed him a lot of different stuff. What are What are your thoughts on him getting the full balance and – After many years of research and the different feeding models that existed long before we started feeding raw, 
I was able to identify six components that I think belong in the diet. First things first, if you're feeding fresh food, you're likely 10 steps ahead of someone that's feeding processed food. And even if you sort of change these words around and talk about feeding yourself or feeding your kids, saying that statement alone, if I'm eating fresh food, I'm probably 10 steps ahead of somebody who's eating processed food. Mm -hmm. There's Mm -hmm. just some truth in that, you know, some common sense. So I start with that. The six components that I like to always include are your muscle, your organ, your seafood for omega-3s, some sort of fur or fiber, your calcium, and then another secreting organ. So liver and another secreting organ. Mm -hmm. I think that if you are able (coughs) to add those six things into your dog's diet regularly, you are likely meeting the bulk of their nutritional needs. And so beyond that, it's it's not much concern, right? Once you hit that balance. Exactly. And there is also truth in saying that some people are not doing raw right mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they're not including those six or even five. You know, if you're not feeding seafood, maybe that's not a huge issue because your dog doesn't experience much inflammation. But for the dogs that are, it's like, Where's the omega-3s in their diet? And there's a whole nother conversation uh, for us to have about grass-fed meats and grain-fed meats and the difference in fats. Um, I also think that we don't eat from a spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. We don't feed ourselves or our kids from a spreadsheet. That it's kind of silly Mm -hmm. to think that we have to do that for animals in our care. Right. That said... When my mom was whipping out a bowl of Kraft macaroni and cheese when we were younger, did she probably know that she could have been making something different? Yeah. Or maybe, like, thought, hmm, it'd probably be good if I, like, added a vegetable to yes. this. Yeah. Or, like, a yes. side of peas. Like Exactly. So we all sort of do our best with the knowledge that we have. Mm-hmm. And I like to give people a break. Like, I had to give myself a break because I didn't know better. But then once you know better, you can do so much with that. Yeah. We do all tend to get a little bit of obsessive. We want our dogs to be with us as long as possible. And that's where the micromanagement comes in. Mm-hmm. Is it realistic to live a life like that? Probably not. Not for most, <laughs> at least. Yeah. And so I think if you can wrap your head around what are my basic needs, what are my dog's basic needs, then you're probably going to be able to fulfill all of their requirements nutritionally and not have to sort of micromanage it. Mm-hmm. We, I don't know if we, it was a DM we got the other day. It's a little off topic, but I believe it was a message from one of our community members that said, it was a crazy perspective. They said, honestly, vets I probably, just... yeah, vets probably have a kind of nasty taste in their mouth about raw food because 99% of the raw feeders they're seeing are the ones that aren't doing it properly. How often does Icon go to the vet? Once a year. Yeah, just for an annual checkup. But like you're not going in for specific skin and coat issues, joint issues, health issues. Exactly. Because you've cut out that process stuff. And that's what a lot of people need to understand is it's an investment up front and it costs more money, but you're going to save money in the long run. Yeah. And, you know, I I think I've spoken to quite a few vets lately and I like to see their perspective. I don't think that they get into this to – they get into to the practice of veterinary medicine to help animals. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, what that turns into is healing animals. And so that preventative care is often overlooked. But 
because of the way the human health industry has gone, where we're, we're going back to fresh food, we're going back to mindfulness, you know, like healthy gut, healthy mind, like mm-hmm. those kinds of practices, it's now following into the domesticated pet industry. And I think that it's not so much that vets are like, well, I don't have dogs to fix because they don't have problems. I think it's, they're not sure where to start, which is like, well, how can I help prevent that? And there's a whole preventative care field that's missing. Yeah. Even I, for us. I was, I was just going to say, that's a, it seems, I, I'm not very well versed outside of the U.S., but that seems like a U.S. problem is not <laughs> preventative, not handling yeah. preventative care like that should be handled. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate because that's, it starts with us. We have to figure out how to take care of ourselves better before we can take care of our dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do think that the industry is coming around. I remember the American Holistic Veterinary Directory when we started, because that's also linked to our page. There was 20, 40 people on there five years ago. And that list has grown substantially because I think people are realizing, yes, there is something we can do before yeah. we get sick, before our pets get sick. Well, well like Turk was saying how... Like when he was growing up, you went to an herbalist first. Mm-hmm. And then if you needed a procedure or something like serious done, that's when you went to a doctor. Yeah, and that's why when people say, oh, so you don't trust vets? Oh, so this. No, vets are fantastic. They yeah. do so many good things for dogs. But they, just like your general doctor it isn't creating your diet plan, they don't need to be creating your dog's nutrition plan unless they're well-versed in all forms of feeding, unless they know about raw feeding and fresh feeding. Because I think that's why a lot of vets don't touch on it and just automatically say no is because they say, I don't know much about it. I don't want to be held liable. If anything happens, stick to kibble. Right, right. And and that's fair. Um, we, we do see a lot of vets now, just in our experience through our customers who are proponents of something outside of the Hills diet that maybe funded their education right. or, or <laughs> sponsored it. <laughs> uh, so that's been really, really great to see. I think another thing is that outside of liability, it's also, do I feel comfortable talking about this topic? Right. You know? I, that, I mean, we that's go a through huge that all difference the time. between him and I. Like, that's one reason why a lot of this, like, I'm still in, like, I'm, like, a little bit behind him, like, my consuming stage. Like, I just want to learn and learn and learn and learn. And, like, that's why he's more outspoken is because he's done more of that research and he's learned more of these facts. That's, I'm just kind of, like... Still taking it in. Yeah, Mm -hmm. because it's so much information. Yeah. It really is. And things change. Things that I learned five years ago are no longer true. And so... And that's what people don't understand is there's not these super long-form studies on (laughs) on raw food like there are with kibble, even though they're all internal and stuff. But that's why we have to be open to saying, hey, I was wrong about this. There's new stuff coming out. Yeah. And, and that's why somebody like Real Dog Box is, is who Kenzie and I trust is because we know you and Nicole and your team, you're looking for the best information. You're not afraid to say, this is not as great as what we just found out. And, and we can trust that with you. So, thank you. Thank you. Um, with that being said, I want to move to a question from our community. This is from Church Johnson on Instagram. Let's see what he's got to ask. Hey, I have a question. Uh, I enjoy the content that you put out for dogs. I've been following you um, on YouTube and stuff like that. Uh, My dog just gave birth to five puppies, and I'd like to know what raw foods can I give her to help her, like, you know, give her the energy and that high protein that she needs. 
So dog just had puppies, and it sounds like the mom dog, he's wondering what, what he, can, he can give her, specifically raw foods, to help the recovery. I'm going to just make some assumptions here. Please, yeah. <laughs> Without having all the information. Uh, assuming he is already feeding a raw diet or has started and wants to supplement that, something to keep in mind during any of the growth or uh, phases of our dog. So whether they are pregnant, lactating, or growing puppies, you always have to in increase their calorie intake because they're burning so much energy, especially a mom that's feeding. I mean, like you said, that's yeah. literally like extracting all the nutrients yeah. from her. The yeah. babies are. So generally, if it's the dog is already raw fed, I like to feed fattier meats fattier meats yeah okay. so your lean meats are something like turkey or venison all of your wild game meats your fattier meats are going to be pork beef anything in that realm because and are they, you, sorry keep going well we use and our dogs can use fat as an energy source it's actually optimum for them to do that unfortunately i also rely on carbs <laughs> myself maybe Same. a little bit of cheese <laughs> just a tad <laughs> A like the story you shared, whoever's doing marketing for cheese, you can stop. Nobody's <laughs> nobody's going to stop eating cheese. <laughs> uh, and our dogs can use that too. Um, and I, I, I do mention it uh, half jokingly be because sometimes raw fed dogs that are pregnant or lactating are supplemented with another source of carbs because they need that extra energy. They can only consume so much meat product that's too much protein. And there is such thing oh, as I didn't too even much protein. Think about that. You yeah. need more calories, but you're going to throw that balance out of whack. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. So that is a potential. But another assumption that we could make in this gentleman's um situation is that the dog is not raw fed i actually would not recommend making that change or addition while she's still lactating oh interesting so so what could he do that wouldn't change it up too much just feed more food he could feed more food. Um, when I say I wouldn't recommend switching into a raw diet, oh, that's what I mean by that. You, oh, like, don't okay do the transition. Yes, Got but it. you can certainly add fresh meats, organ meats. So liver, any other secreting organ, you're going to get the most bang for your buck. Can we really quick go over what a secreting organ yeah, is? Yeah, well, I don't know what that means. Like, I know secreting organs are these, these organs, but yeah. what does that mean? They secrete an actual liquid. Okay. Uh, when, when they process something. So, like, we'll use our liver, for example, um, which is used to break down just about anything. Probably you hear most alcohol mm -hmm. or even um, medication. Yeah. Right? So it has to break down and also secrete a substance as part of that digestion process. So when you take a medicine, is it is it released into your body after it goes through the liver? Or is it just, like... Once it hits the stomach, it goes through there. Like, what is the liver processing? Um, I, or filtering, I should say. Yeah, it's filtering. Yeah, That's what what is it filtering it. out? What is it keeping? And you might not it's, know this. Yeah, and I don't, I'm not probably as well versed in human nutrition, especially because there's all these extra body parts that we right. have that our dogs don't have. Um, but I, I think it goes in during, uh, after the stomach. And then whatever is processed, the chyme, that's what goes through your small intestine. And then it's um, processed through the liver. Got it. 
and everything else that's left over has to be filtered by the liver, by the kidneys, uh, by the spleen. Those are the things. So they secrete a substance. Okay. Whereas a muscular organ, slightly different, like the heart, mm-hmm. we refer to that as an organ, even like the skin. Mm-hmm. Those, there's no extra substance that's coming out of the digestion process because Got it's it. not filtering anything out. Okay, and because it's not filtering, that's why you can feed things like chicken hearts the same way you can feed chicken breast as like mm-hmm. a muscle meat, right? Exactly. Okay, that makes Got sense. It. And as part of that filtration process, it determines what um, nutrients are going to go where. And that's why when we eat or feed that body part, that's where all of those nutrients are. They're in those organs. Got Understood. It. So yeah. with this uh, with this person's question, let's go back to if they were on a raw diet and you said to um, switch to fattier pieces of meat, are you just switching the animal or are you switching from chicken breast to chicken thigh or something like a fattier you could. cut? Yeah, you could switch to a fattier cut. Got Absolutely. It. And there's there's a lot of things to talk about and it just depends on the individual dog because you want to make this if you're going to increase their calories, their calorie intake, you want to do that over a period of time, not just overnight. Oh, I would have done it overnight. Yeah. Well, because like you'll never be pregnant. <laughs> but if you can imagine, a pregnant woman isn't just eating like twice her body weight sure. overnight. Like it, it's a gradual change. Yeah, sure. makes total sense. Yeah, so it's, it's difficult to say in this particular instance because I don't know the state of that dog. Mm-hmm. Like, is she hungry? Right. You know, like do we, is she not getting enough food? Yeah. Or are you just trying to like feed her things to help her through the healing process? And there, there's a lot of just different questions there. Yeah. Um, that said, anytime anyone is like, look, I don't want to make the full transition to raw food. I just want to do a little bit better. I generally say add in some fresh meat. Like if you're a meat eater yourself, say you picked up some pork loin for tonight's dinner. You know, slice some sweet pieces. That's the cheapest your... way to do it, yeah. too. It's a good way to start. Unfortunately for a lot of people here in America, buying organ meats isn't the norm but as you saw yesterday it's actually far more accessible than we think if we're looking in the right places yes so if you can spring it get some organ meats get some organ treats that's an easier way to handle it because honestly a lot of people don't want to handle the organs sure especially the kidneys me it's me (laughs) (laughs) i am the person that doesn't want to do that (laughs) so people use our organ mix we have our 50 50 organ blend they sprinkle it on top of their food just get a bag of treats. Liver in for dog treats is ubiquitous. You can find it everywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what we've told people. We just uh, recently did some content on one of the cheapest ways to drastically improve your pet's life. Cut out the processed treats. Yeah. If you can cut out the treats even without even touching the actual diet, mm-hmm. it will make such big improvements. And yeah. you can you can do that for your specific situation. If you if you're let's say Icon has skin and coat issues, cut out the treats, add in some of your dehydrated smelt or those oily fishes. Exactly. Wow. I mean and honestly, this is, I like to make the analogies to human food because it just, it's more relatable. Yeah, it makes, makes it sense. easier to understand. I probably shouldn't have this second coffee that has a shit ton of sugar and whatever else is in there. I don't even know. Mm-hmm. And I can make those better decisions throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Like I already had one. I probably don't need to have two. Probably don't. It's the choice, right? Bag of chips, bag of carrots. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, and we do this for ourselves throughout the day. We can do the same things for our dogs. Yeah. Totally. So I wanted to ask, so Icon has never been on kibble. Is that correct? 
He has, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, so we adopted him from a really, really nice couple um, who purchased him from a breeder in North Carolina. And they had him for about four weeks, one month, one and a half months wow. before we adopted him. And they had him on a kibble. And he's a very special dog. Anatolian Shepherds are just, they're very special. If I could pick him up and show you, I would, but he weighs <laughs> literally more than me. <laughs> he's about a buck 50. I'm, I'm about a buck 40 these days. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so they just didn't have the space or really the mean or the means or the time to take care of him. So Yeah, what I was going to ask, though, is I have noticed when you're feeding kibble and you're feeding that same thing every day, if you give them one thing different, it can cause so much more of a reaction and such a quicker reaction. Whereas now we can give our dogs fucking anything, yeah. really, and they do totally fine with it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the variety, you know, it's mm-hmm. allowing – and, it, and this goes beyond even our guts and our stomach, right? There are people that are within their comfort zone. You throw something at them that they've never experienced before, and, like, their whole life is out of whack. Right. Mm-hmm. Same thing happens with our gut. Imagine if you were eating the same thing every day for years. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're like, first of all, that sounds terrible. Yeah, well, like, <laughs> we were talking earlier. We went through that eliminate where we were – we had cut out pretty much every anti – or every inflammatory food – and then after that, the the time we broke our fast, for lack of a better word, we it, there was alcohol, there was pasta, oh, and it was like it shocked our system the moment we swallowed it. Yeah, immediately inflamed, bloated. And it's been yeah. years, and we still to this day feel like shit. I think it completely <laughs> rewired us. I'm pretty sure, like probably our gut flora and and the microbacteria and stuff. To where our body just can't handle that processed food as much anymore. Yeah. No, absolutely. It's called dysbiosis when you've got an imbi- imbalance in your gut flora. I had a live with Dr. Connor Brady a couple weeks ago, and it was specifically about gut health and behavior and dog behavior. And he worked with uh, guide dogs in Australia, changed the diet, and the dog's ability to focus when they were eating cleaner food, their trainability had completely changed that's so but we know this right we know this from younger kids and the studies that they have out now about adhd about how kids with various home environments not just you know the health of the parents in the house but also the food and quality of food that they're eating has an effect on their ability to learn. Yeah, we are very big believers that your mental health is pretty much directly tied to your gut health. Yeah. We and, know that. Yeah. Like how is it any different for any other being, living mm-hmm. being on the Especially planet? Especially a mammal. I mean, if you're talking reptile and stuff, sure you can get into some weird stuff, but like yeah. we're so close in in DNA to these animals even though we feel so far off. Right. Damn it, I love you, Icon. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but that ha- that even goes to a point that I have been thinking about for many, many years, which is why are there so many dogs that need to be rehomed? Why are dogs getting returned or brought the to the shelters because they're so misbehaved? And I'm like, because maybe they don't feel good and they don't know how to tell you other than to being like – I, I'm uncomfortable. Yes. My stomach hurts. Yeah. I have diarrhea all the time. Like, this is not how I'm supposed to be. 
and thinking about how that affects their mood and their behavior and our inability to recognize that and make those changes mm-hmm. for them. Whoa. They get thrown into and it's like chronic Thanks. stress. Yeah. Ba- Banks was he was a tough puppy. He was naughty and he was eating Purina Pro Plan every day, twice and a day. Literally for every meal. like we had just gotten our shop and Oh my god everywhere. He had yeah. the squirt All like he didn't have a solid time. Poop. Probably more than two or three days in a row. And yeah, it's have like so our, much diarrhea. Our relationship has obviously changed with him, with feeding him more. Like it's become much more intimate thing. But like he's so good now. Like he jumps and whatever. But like his overall disposition has just changed so he much. Just seems more, happier. Yeah, so much more drastically <clears throat> even than Harper and Cooper. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's the it's the entire environment this is why it's called holistic it's all of these pieces it's Mm -hmm. not just like well i took him to a trainer right and that didn't work Mm -hmm. you know and then he was sent here then he was sent there well what about that like that sucks to be shuffled around you know every two weeks in a new environment you have to get to know new people new smells other dogs that might be a threat to you Mm -hmm. and they people don't realize that they're taking their dog to the place not for their dog to learn things we don't go to training so our dog learns things there we go to learn how to become trainers yes. we you go you like your dog's not sitting on a call with nicole talking to nicole about what they should be eating it's your responsibility <laughs> right as nicole might in, prefer it yeah i know right? <laughs> I, I would imagine she would <laughs> but it's it's on the person to to go to these resources and understand they have to learn how to take care of their dog better. Right. They don't have to go to somebody that will take care of their dog better for them. Exactly. Yeah. No, I, I was talking about this the other day. Butterflies in our stomach when we get nervous. You know, sometimes we are super stressed. I have to poop whenever I get nervous. Dude, is that what you were doing in there? <laughs> uh, in the bathroom? Yeah, I was definitely <laughs> pooping. <laughs> but no, seriously, Literally, I have never his, thought about his that. His phrase is, I'm really nervous. I got to go poop. Like, I like, call them the nervous poops. Yeah. And is, it makes total sense. It's a real thing. And wow. it's the same thing for our dogs. So when they're chronically nervous because they're in a new setting, they haven't quite settled in, or whatever the case, maybe their person has been gone mm-hmm. out of town for a couple of weeks. You're going to make us feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, call and be like, has a poop. Oh yeah, we've been <laughs> on the phone the with them question. every single day. Okay, guys. <laughs> uh, no, but that's a real thing. It really is, and it's something that people don't think about. And they're like, oh, "I gotta take this dog. Like, I can't handle this." Totally. Wow. Wow. Well, Ruby, thank you for this. This is, I, I think that hopefully our community gets a lot of value out of this because we're clearly needing to come back. Oh, and I, do I more like of this, this needs to be a regular thing. Yeah, we're going to be doing a lot of content together. But thank you to, to you and your entire team for obviously having us out here, but just being willing to share this information with our community. I My think pleasure. I, think I really love. It. I loved connecting with you guys. I'm so glad this happened. Us too. So yes. I'm um, trying to get <laughs> to to the people that are watching or listening. Thank you so much for tuning in again. We really appreciate you being here and we'll see you on the next episode of the BK Petcast.